On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. It was about 20 years ago when Brandon Cronenberg went on a vacation to the Dominican Republic. While there, he noticed some things that were not really pleasant, to say the least. The resort where he stayed, for one, had barbed wire all around the fence, loosely covered by palm trees. When he left about a week later by shuttle bus in broad daylight, he noticed that outside the resort, everything was poverty-stricken. He went on to describe it as a horrible contrast and started to wonder if he really had been to a foreign country or, in his words, an alternate dimension across the country. Years later, when Brandon started writing a short sci-fi fiction story about a man watching his double be murdered, he thought back on that trip and started writing a screenplay. The screenplay would turn into Infinity Pool which premiered this year at the 2022 Sundance Film Festival. The Sundance cut would be given an NC-17 rating before being trimmed down to an R rating for its theatrical release. And that theatrical release is now currently streaming on Hulu. So be careful where you vacation if all you really want is relaxation. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Hello, I'm Katie. Hi there, I am Brittany. Welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. Here, wherever you listen. Um, we're doing Infinity Pool! Yeah! We're vacationing, kind of. It's, it is, it's an interesting movie that weirdly got released in the dead of winter, but uh, is taking place in this very, very sunny and bright beachy place. Uh, which is Croatia. Uh, yeah, it was filmed in Croatia, which I was like, ooh, is it the Game of Thrones part of Croatia? It's not. That's Dubrovnik. But I was looking at vacationing in Dubrovnik today, and it is scarily cheap. Yeah. So I'm just saying it's only like $1,000 per week for one That's person. What, one of, one of my uh, best friends went to Punakanta like two or three times. Mm-hmm. And she said, like, to stay at the all-inclusive resorts. I think she said the ticket over there was the most expensive part. But she's like, you can stay at these all-inclusive resorts for, like, $100 a day. Unlimited alcohol, unlimited food, horse riding on the beach, everything. And I never thought about it until I watched this movie that I'm like, oh, yeah, there's probably these beautiful resorts. And then just, like, right outside the resorts, it's, like, just so sad. Yeah, I don't know about Croatia because... I'm not really sure about the demographics about Croatia, but I know that this movie was filmed in Croatia and Hungary. Um, But I will say Croatia is beautiful and I really, really, really want to go there. But for some reason, this movie got released in the dead of winter. And it weirdly, I don't know if you saw this, um, but it made more money than um, Crimes of the Future did. I did see that IMBD trivia, and I thought it was really interesting that, like, the IMBD trivia page only had, like, six entries, because I'm like, I've got I know. more just reading about this movie. This movie um, was so weird and fun and interesting that I was like, where's more trivia? Um, yeah. 
But yeah, it did. I, it was actually the resort is a Ma- Madria Park Resort in Sebenik, Croatia. And then they also filmed in Budapest. But the movie doesn't take place in Croatia. They make up a fictional country. So Croatia isn't the country that has the problems that this fictional country has. Um, so I saw this one in theaters uh, in February, I think. Maybe early March. Yeah. The first couple weeks. It was the one where I will tell the story one more time in case you're only listening f- on this episode. If you're not, skip ahead. Um, but I went there. It was like we had like a gift card to go to the movies from like a Christmas gift. And so Scott was like, what movie do you want to go see? And I was like, oh, I really want to go see Infinity Pool. And the only showing that fit in our schedule was like a 10 p.m. showing. So it was like a pretty late showing. And we were but we went to the movie theater and uh, got our popcorn. I always get there really early because like I want to pick up my seat and be settled and get my snacks and go to the bathroom a couple times before the movie starts. Um, and because it was cold, I was wearing this like fluffy pink sweater and like my big sneakers. And like I was very like, I wouldn't say quite Y2K fashion, but like I had all my cutesy stuff on and we sit down and there's only one other person in the theater. And the guy <laughs> goes, excuse me. And I'm like, uh-huh. And he was like, are you here to see Infinity Pool? And I was like, uh-huh absolutely and he was like okay just want to make sure i was in the right theater and i was like okay and then i turned back around and just looked at scott and he was like Ooh. and so when we left we we're like Did, were we supposed to wear a specific uniform to see a horror movie but it was i think the guy was genuinely just thinking he went into the wrong movie theater but Apparently, I have to wear all black or something super gothy to go to a horror movie next time. And I did when I went to Evil Dead, and nobody batted an eye. So, <laughs> and see, I did do the same thing though. When we went to see Past Lives, and I was a nervous wreck because, like I've said before, AMC used to have the marquees, and it was like red lettering that would show you the movie was playing. And now no, it was just be like Theater Seven. Yeah, they don't. And yeah, so I, I sat what? down. And the movie, like, the movie was supposed to start, I think, at, like, 6.30, and it was 6.33, and the movie wasn't playing yet. So I asked the young lady to the other side of me, I said, are you here to see Past Lives? And she was like, uh-huh. And that, Taylor's like, you knew we were in the right theater. I was like, no, I was nervous and anxious because I thought the right. credits would be playing right now. So Which, th- I don't know this person from Adam, so I have no idea. If, like, But the way the tone was very much, like, they did not expect me to be in a movie I don't know. I was like, bitch, Titan was my favorite movie of like 20. But they don't know that. They don't know that. At the risk of like maybe (laughs) sounding a little sexist, it's like if you don't realize that like there is probably more horror fans that are female than male at this point. Also, the mother of horror, modern horror, is Mary Shelley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't understand that. A 16 year old. A 16 year old. Yeah, I, I read another article, it was like a Reddit, where like someone was like, actually, there was another woman before Mary Shelley who wrote the first gothic novel, and I'm blanking on the name of the book and the person, but, like, they were also a woman, so, like, just saying. Not that we don't have to be binary and everything, but just because I, I think- appear to be a lady doesn't mean, if I'm feminine, it doesn't mean that I don't like spooky, scary, bloody, gory shit, and that is what this movie is full of. <laughs> That's, That's why I'm so scary. ready. 
Just gory so, and lots of naked people, but not I sexy think, naked. I think, like, that's something that's, like, uh, so there's a lot of people that are either, like, all in the Barbieheimer movement that's coming. Like, you know, I'm all in for Barbieheimer. I'm also in that. <laughs> but it's so funny because a lot of people are, but like, they just don't get it. So They don't get it. I built. Yeah. I started building a Barbie dream house on The Sims Four, and I've been taping Aww. it, so I might do a speed build video on YouTube because I've been. I was like, I just want to do. I, I finally, my computer can handle all of my Sims Four shit now, so I got it, and I started making a Barbie dream house, and I made Barbie and Stacy and Kelly and Skipper, but I had to make a mom because apparently Kelly couldn't be in the house without an adult. So I made, like, a super old mom that I did look up her actual mother's name. I can't remember what it is, but I actually looked up Barbie's name and her parents' name. So, like, she does have a It's Millicent, right? It's Barbara Barbara Millicent. Millicent. Millicent? But her mom's name, I think, is, like, Margaret or something. I have it. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Margaret would make sense. But I started making a Barbie house because it was fun. Well, I don't think, like, a lot of people realize that, like, as women, like, there is two sides to us. And, like, I actually found this meme, and you probably saw my Instagram story, Katie, but it was, like, there's two wolves inside of us. It was, like, Oppenheimer and Barbie. (laughs) And I'm just, like, dude, like, because part of me, I'm, like, I just want to wear black. I want to have, like, eyeliner and drink a lot of fucking coffee. And then the other part of me, I want to wear pink. I want to drink mimosas. And I want to, like, have really cute hair. And we can have it all, Brittany. We can have it all. We're modern ladies. I think that's, like, the big thing people don't realize. non-binary babes. So, I don't, because I don't want to say, like, I know a lot of people who are not even female, like, are not, they don't, what am I saying, not feminine, that they also... Like, are, like, super excited to see the Barbie movie, but also really creepy movies. I know. It's just, like, just because you someone looks a certain way doesn't mean they're not going to like certain things. I don't know. But I I thought it was a funny story. And since we ended up yeah. doing this movie, because I'm so glad you picked it, because, like, I didn't realize it was streaming yet. And then I was like, <gasps> yeah, <gasps> yeah, because, like, I, I had it, like, it, it was a very good movie to see in a theater because it's very visually interesting. Um, and there's yeah. a lot of really cool visual sequences. I would say, I think we said this at the end of the last episode, just as a warning. There's a lot of flashing lights. Yes. So for if you're if you have any kind of seizure disorder, you probably want to have a a, a flashing light buddy with you while you watch, so they can tell you when not to watch. Or I'm not really sure how you handle that, or if you can just leave the room. I guess. I don't know. I am very lucky to not have a seizure disorder, but even I kind of felt a little uncomfortable visually at some of the parts. Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of visual stuff. And I got to watch the first half of Possessor. It's also like visually very uh, interesting. So I will say I really like Brandon Cronenberg's style. This was my first full movie of his. That I've seen, and he did write and direct it, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, and he, I think he did write it with the full intention of him being the one that directed it. And I think I was reading an interview with him, um, and I will just list off the sources I saw. I had I have uh, quotes from IndieWire, Variety, and Patreon.com. Um, so all three of those websites provided really interesting interviews and kind of insights uh, into Infinity Pool. But that's something he was saying about the psychedelic scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's like 
he was giving too much notes, I think, originally in Possessor, and they were just like, dude, cut the fucking notes out. You're you're losing us. Like, because he said, when you read a script, and I never really thought of it this way, this way, but he said it's like essentially like a calling card, and he's like, you know, so when he was redoing the notes for this, it's like the, the psychedelic part of this movie, it's like very shorthanded, because it was a lot about visually kind of finding what he wanted to do as he was yeah. filming it. Which I thought was interesting. I never really thought of it that way before. Yeah, it definitely is. It also, like, I know that, I think he directed both of those, but, like, when you're writing mm-hmm. and you're not going to be directing something, sometimes it's not polite, quote-unquote, to over-describe uh, everything because yeah. you have to give the director room to have their own artistic vision. Um, and I was, some we did some movie and someone was talking about that where like the script was kind of scarce you got kind of have to like uh you know walk that fine line but i guess when you're directing your own movie (laughs) maybe it doesn't matter as much i don't know um but i can see where that would be a problem as well but i the only thing i'm disappointed about the streaming capabilities is that the nc-17 version isn't available and uh, this is slight spoilers, but we won't say in the context we'll get into this when we get into spoilers. But my understanding, the only difference between the NCC, the NC-17 and the R is that the handjob actually had a prosthetic penis that oh. she was giving the handjob to. So, okay. like, uh, so that's... That was an NC-17? I guess it's because it was an actual penis. Like... yeah. I mean, it wasn't, like, Alexander Skarsgård's penis. It was a prosthetic penis, but that's the thing. It looked like a real penis. And I guess the idea of a real, of, of a very lifelike-looking prosthetic penis ejaculating is what got the NC-17 rating. Well, it did. I think, didn't Love get an NC-17 for having an ejaculation scene? Oh. But that was a real penis. And what's interesting is, I think, is it not rated on Netflix? Because isn't Love Streaming on Netflix and it's showing is not it rated? Is it now? Oh, my God. I thought it was. I, I thought it was. It was at some point. I think it went yeah. off. But I avoided... I've avoided it because I love Gaspar Noé. But, like, everyone who's watched it... Even Gaspar Noé knows, like, there wasn't much of a point to that movie. Yeah. I feel like he said that. And, like, I... Like I said. I love him. But, yeah, I don't think that one's on there anymore. But it was at some point. Okay. But I just, I just don't know if I can just watch that. And that's all the movie is, basically, apparently. So, because yeah. Diary of a Nymphomaniac was kind of pointless, too, where it was just random sex. I get it. Like, that's my thing. It's like, as a, I always joke, as an intellectual. It's like, as an intellectual, I get it. But it doesn't <laughs> mean I want to watch it. Like, you know? <laughs> So oh my God. yeah, but I w- I will say I don't think Brandon Cronenberg is in Lars von Trier's. No, I don't think he has the same issues. I find his the, both of the one and a half of his films that I've seen much more palatable and much more insightful, and seems to have something under the surface. Um, whether or not it's fully realized, we will talk about that, but there is at least a theme and the visuals and the ideas are very original. So I really like it. I will say all of the movies of his that I've seen, like, don't spoil it for you yourself. Just go watch it. Cause I think a lot of this, the premise was definitely, at least for me, cause I, I did not really look into it. I just knew Brandon Cronenberg, body horror, Mia Goth. Um, Alexander Skarsgård and I was like mm, 
I'm gonna go watch it. And I didn't want to know anything else about it. I just knew it was something about, like, a vacation and something bad happens. And I didn't want to know anything else about it. And Neon, I will say, does a really good job with their marketing generally not giving stuff away. Like, Titan, nothing was given away. Parasite? Parasite was maybe a little bit marketed weirdly because they were like, is it a horror? But honestly, they didn't give away the twist that I remember. So... yeah. I could be wrong about that, but I will say I do think Neon is really good about not spoiling it, which is why this movie wasn't spoiled for me. Um, so we did talk about Brandon Cronenberg, but I guess we should probably talk about his background and the rest of the creative team. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. So, and that's the thing. So it's like, as we already, as is a given. So Brandon Cronenberg is the son of filmmaker David Cronenberg, who, I mean, <gasps> come on. I'm just kidding. I knew. <laughs> we, we all know David Cronenberg. Uh, yeah. But we, we Brandon, did one of his movies. We did The Brood. We did do The Brood. And he's also like famous for Crimes of the Future recently. Uh, Scanners mm-hmm. and A History of Violence was a big one. And me and Taylor, like my... Like, I keep meaning to rewatch A History of Violence because I saw part of it when I was a kid. And I feel like it's very different from a lot of his other movies. But it was like a critically acclaimed darling. People loved that movie when it came out. Yeah. Um, Also, uh, he did the original car sex movie, Crash. Oh, yeah. That's true. Uh, Going back to Brandon, though, I know Katie mentioned Possessor a few times. But he also directed Antiviral. That was his first Mm -hmm. film. So, Which they're all very sci-fi related. Like, they're mostly Mm -hmm. sci-fi horror, which I like. It's not not sci-fi like Star Trek sci-fi where it's all about the sci-fi. There's just a little bit of it. I would say it's more like an alien kind of sci-fi where there's a sci-fi concept, but the horror is the suspense and the action and not an abstract feeling or thought about science sometimes like and listen i don't know if my dad's listening my dad and my mom are both science majors my mom's a nurse my dad's a geologist and we did went to a lot of museums as a kid and i watched a lot of movies that were like sci-fi high concept movies and sometimes they just get kind of boring because there's not a lot of action going on it's just like some high concept sci-fi movies are just very abstract and theoretical and nothing actually happens and this movie stuff happens and possessor stuff happens but there is a sci-fi concept that is kind of the catalyst for everything that's going on in the movie which i think is my preferred version of sci-fi horror yeah right because like alien is a good horror movie even if there wasn't an alien like if it wasn't sci-fi the writing if it was a different kind of killer. If it wasn't in space, it would still be scary. Yeah, that makes that. sense. But anyways, well, but I will say his is very sci-fi. Yeah, I agree with that. And I thought it was interesting because uh, he said he was partially inspired reading some of the later J.G. Boward novels, which I, I, I will mm-hmm. admit I wasn't familiar with J.G. Boward. But he said it's Supercons and Cocaine Nights. Um, and he went on to say, because of these novels, he's like, there's a long history of ordinary people doing incredibly horrible things when they're given permission to, which I think is like Mm. a big theme of this movie. Um, and I thought it was interesting because he said it over and over again in interviews that he's actually doing a limited series for Cocaine Nights. So we will be seeing that in the near future. Is that the novel Supercons? Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So yeah, there's Supercons and then Cocaine Nights. And if I wrote it down correctly, I thought... 
Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's Super Cons, but I wrote down as Cocaine Knights he's doing the limited series for. But they're both J.G. Ballard. J.G. Ballard, so. yeah. They're both J.G. Yeah. Ballard, yeah. So, and he considers himself, like, quote-unquote, a book nerd, according to mm-hmm. uh, his IMDb trivia. Um, but he also, like, did a short film called Please Speak Continuously and Describe Your Experiences as They Come at Con in 2019. And then his last two movies... So Possessor and um, this movie both played at Sundance and were distributed by Neon, which Neon is the one, it's like the slightly more European A24 is what I like to think of Neon, because they do a lot of similar movies, um, a lot of horror and a lot of independent movies, but uh, it tends to be a lot of uh, Europeans centered stuff but american releases if that makes sense although this movie technically is a canadian wide release film um yeah. because he is canadian and canada gives a lot of art grants to people they have like i can't remember what it's called but they have some bill where like they will give you so much money because they want a percentage of the movies playing in canada to be canadian which is why we have a lot of canadian films and a lot of shows that are filmed in canada because they give tax breaks. It's great. We also see, I don't know if you saw this, but the cinematographer is the same cinematographer as Orphan First Kill. Yeah, I think you mentioned that when we did Orphan First Kill. <laughs> I which think was so. really interesting. Yeah. Because he also, did, it's Karim Hussein, and he also did uh, Possessor, and then Seance, which is the writer of Your Next, um, okay. their directorial debut, I believe. And then. A movie called Ascension and then the Firestarter remake. But I just found it Oof. hilarious because, like, I think Possessor in this movie looks so beautiful. And and Orphan First Kill was kind of a just a regular movie. So I don't know if they just can give him a lot of leeway, maybe, with Orphan First yeah. Kill. Because this maybe there just wasn't stunning. A, maybe there wasn't a lot to work with in the script for Orphan First Kill, too. Yeah, plus Brandon Cronenberg, I think, is, like, both of his movies have obviously been, like, kind of passion projects, because he's written and directed them, and, like, they're they're high concept, but a little sleazy high concept, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and so high concept sleaze, basically. So I think he has a lot more room to let someone be an artist or be artistic and kind of explore the space. As they say. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I thought that was funny. And also, like, the music person, I don't know, did you get to look into him? Because apparently he's, like, kind of an experimental ambient musician. I feel bad. Other than, like, the psychedelic scene in the movie, I, a lot of the music kind of blended, and it didn't really stick out to me. Like, the psychedelic scene is so loud that it's like you kind of, like, it, you're just overwhelmed by the mm-hmm. music and the visuals. But yeah. it kind of just blend, which I don't necessarily think that means it's a bad soundtrack, because sometimes it's good that the music doesn't overpower. Yeah, um, I will. I think this is one of those movies where the music highlights and doesn't coerce the audience into Mm -hmm. feeling some way because you know there's nothing i hate more than something tricking you into having an emotion yeah because i love music and i do get goosebumps and i am moved to tears by music but i if it's a movie i kind of want to be moved to tears by the acting and i feel that yeah i will say a really good director 
just uses the soundtrack to just subtly highlight things and not distract or coerce you in emotionally. I don't think that was it, but I I, I did like their IMDb um, bio was Tim Hecker is a Juno award-winning Canadian composer and sound artist. He is known internationally for experimental ambient recordings released under his own name and soundtracks. Um, so basically, I think this was his first big movie, but he also worked on an Austrian horror drama called Lucifer with a Z. Ooh. So I think the ambient recording, like ambient music, the ambient music, I want to say ambient, but it's ambient, but um, is maybe why it kind of doesn't stick out so much because it is supposed to be kind of like a background noise. So, that was interesting. But the editor, did you see this? Also edited Seance with Kareem Hussein, but then uh, James Van de Water, uh, and also edited VHS 94. Nice. So, and the, a movie called See For Me that came out recently. So, hmm. yeah, some interesting, interesting people. I don't know. I ended up, like, being very fascinated by the creative team because I, I hadn't heard of everyone. So yeah. I was like, who are these people? And do we want to go through the cast as well before we go to the rundown? Yeah, we can real quick. So I'll be honest, Ollie, because of the elite group, and that's why I called them, I'm like, they're the elite group. I didn't write down all their names because I couldn't keep track of who was who. Really. No, I only wrote down one, two, three, four, five characters. I bet you and me wrote down the same five. Probably. So. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. We can start with the star of the whole shenanigans is Alexander Skarsgård as James oh, Foster. Oh, it's Skarsgård. It's oh, Skarsgård. Oh, do you know what? you got to love him because he takes on some very unique roles. Oh my god, roles. I love him. I, I, I mean, love I do. him letting loose. i got to tell you that. He lets loose a lot in this movie. Okay. And it is wonderful to see. And we got to talk about, so the first thing that I'm sure you know him from, I know him from, is A, Eric Northman in True Blood. And also, yeah. he, was in the, he was in the Lady Gaga music video for Paparazzi. So those are the first two is things I remember. Is he in I a music seeing. video for Lady Gaga? He's in Paparazzi. Oh, I have to go back and watch the Paparazzi oh, one. Oh, yeah. It's been forever since I've seen that music video. Uh, oh, it was fuck. my freshman, go watch freshman year of college, which was like 2008 yes. and 9. Yeah, so. I mean, I've seen it. I just didn't realize he was in it, and that bothers oh, me. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah, because far it's black and white, right? Or is that Judas? No, uh, I think Judah, Judah. I think that's like partially black and white. Uh, Lady, yeah. the paparazzi music video is like really, really trippy looking. Like, because okay. she poisons him. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Uh, so I'll go watch it. Um, but he yeah. also in Big Little Lies, and mm-hmm. the, he was Tarzan in The Legend of Tarzan. Yeah, um, the 2016 and, one. Yeah, and we talked about The North Man uh, yeah. that was uh, last year, or this year, Robert Eggers' newest film. But also, he popped up in the last season of Succession as someone who's what? trying to buy the company from the kids. So I've gotten to see him quite a lot. Um, he nice. was really... You know, an IMBD, I didn't know if you thought this was interesting. So IMBD usually lists their four most well-known roles. And they listed the Drummer Girl TV miniseries for him. And I've never heard of this TV miniseries. But I wanted to throw it out there. Is it Swedish, maybe? Oh, maybe it is. I didn't even think of that. 
We also have our girl, the one, the only, Mia Goth as Gabby Bauer. Wham, 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 wham. Can she do no wrong? In my book, no. She cannot. She is crazy Mia Goth in this movie, and I fucking love it. You know, and that's the thing. I have to give... I have to give her the accolades for this performance because she's so fucking good and Pearl and X <laughs> and I fucking hated her in this movie. So I was like, but that's a testament to how great her acting well, is. Yeah, you're supposed to hate her. She's a like, fucking cunt. But like she just grates me so in this fun movie. To watch. She is so, so good. Fun to watch. She's so, like very she goes, Jamesy Yes. Jamesy Bull. I was like, oh no. Because there's a, there's a, that movie, uh, Dreamcatcher, that awful Stephen King one where there's the butt. Yes. Aliens. Um, one of them calls them Jamesy, and I was like, is she making a Dreamcatcher's reference or what? I don't know. But I love it. Also, she's like her own accent, which usually she has an American accent or something. So it was fun to see her just be very British. And, um... If you don't know who she is, uh, she was in X, which we covered last year. She was in Pearl this year, which we briefly covered on Sidetrack. She's in the upcoming Maxine with three X's. Three X's. And Suspiria, which we also covered. Um, And also Emma, which is, she's a really, she's a a minor, well, not minor. She's like a supporting role in Emma. And then uh, Cure for Wellness and Marrowbone, which I haven't seen yet, but I've heard really good things about. So, yeah, she's just everywhere, and she is, like, a horror queen now, and I love it. Yeah. Love it. She's fantastic. I, I get, she and, like, um, Anna, oh, oh, fuck, not DeArmas, Anna, oh, fuck, from the menu, Anya, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. I could watch, they are both, they're very different actresses, but, like, both of them are really good in horror films, and I just love them, so, um, yeah, I was really excited about her. <laughs> I thought she was fantastic. And she's like, so her character is a very, like, um, spoiled rich lady. Her husband's a lot older than her. She's an actress, but, like, she pretty much doesn't, she only does commercials, so she's very bored with her life. And she basically, it seems like she married for money is what I get from it. Because, like, she's also, like, when she, he asked, when, James's wife asks her, what do you do for a living? She's like, well, I'm an actress, of course. I was like, because we all would have known that just from talking to you. Eh. I, it's almost like funny, like, is it tongue-in-cheek, though, because she is an actress? I don't know. Yeah, that's... maybe. Also, she lives in L.A., so maybe she was just making a joke about L.A. I don't know. I was also, but... yeah, that's true. And I was reading an interview with her and Brandon Cronenberg, and I thought it was really interesting because the interviewer was just like, Okay, Mia, you gotta tell us what you have up next. I have a feeling I see you in the director's chair. I know you're in the director's chair. And she's like, no, I actually enjoy being an actress. And and uh, Brandon <laughs> was like, Brandon's like, you really don't have to say that. And she's like, no, she's like, I have really no desire to direct. I like being an actress. And they're like, yeah. but you wrote because she did co-write Pearl with Ty Wex. And she's like, yeah, I like writing. She's like, I may write again. But it was like, she made it very bluntly clear. Like, no, I'm an actress. I'm not interested in directing. And I mean, so. like, not everyone has to be a director, you know? Yeah. Some people, some people are good at doing both. And some people are only good at one or the other. Just because yeah. you're a good director doesn't mean you're a good actor. Like, 
you know, I, I don't want to see Steven Spielberg in a movie acting. I'm sorry. Love him. Look at Quentin Tarantino. Terrible actor. Fantastic oh, God bless director. Him. Well, I mean, it's his movies. You put yourself in them if you want to, Quentin, because the rest of the movie makes up for it. But it's always a, oh, God, God, what is he going to say this time? Oh, yeah. God. Oh, yeah, okay. I feel like I love Pulp Fiction, and I think critically, like, most people would probably say Pulp Fiction is the best Tarantino film. But his cameo makes me cringe every time, all it's these so years later. It's so cringy. Yeah. Um, I do. I love this. The next person's name, but I had never seen them before in anything. Um, Cleopatra Coleman, yeah, as M. Foster, James's wife. Her dad is his publisher because he's an author who has writer's block, and she's kind of his link to wealth and power. But she genuinely seems like a nice person. Like she genuinely like she. She says, like, I must have daddy issues because my dad always told me never marry a writer. And I married the first writer who got coffee for me or spilled coffee on me or mm-hmm. something like that. But and... she also says some things that I, I made me feel like you're like, yeah, their marriage is on the rocks. Because she says some things that are, like, kind of harsh, even to say to your spouse. Yeah, but also morally, I think she, she and the family at the farm are probably the only morally good people i mean she's more morally gray but she at least has a limit where she's like uh -uh, this is too much no not okay and i agree with that like yes absolutely and as we get into like the twist the twist in the movie like yeah i agree completely with that but it's just like she she speaks very harshly to him quite a few times at the beginning of the film yeah yeah. And that made me uncomfortable because yeah. there's there's even some things she say she says in front of Gabby and Albon that's like I would I would never say in front of close friends, much less people I've already just met. Yeah, I have been in those situations though, where like there's like a marriage on the rocks, and one of them says something to the other one, and you're just like, Ooh. what do you say yeah. in private to each other? That's really terrifying." Um, but the actress, Cleopatra Coleman, is apparently also a trained contemporary and ballet dancer, which oh, I was yeah. like, that's fucking cool as shit, according to IMDb. But she was in A Lot of Nothing, Dope Sick, the Hulu series, Sorry for Your Loss, and the TV show The Last Man on Earth, which I haven't yes. gotten to catch, but I like all the actors in it, so eventually I will watch that. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought she did a really good job. She's very beautiful. Like, she looks like yes. she belongs on vacation 24-7 in her, like, flowy outfits. Mia Goth, too, has, like, a really cool costume set up for this movie because everything's very much, like, Yves Saint Laurent on all this, like, designer shit and, like, you know, the compare and contrast with what's going on in the country around them outside the barbed wire fence is interesting. Um, And we do have, I did write down Albin Bowers, uh, name as well who is Jaleel Lespert who directed the movie Yves Saint Laurent in the Versailles series and he was also as an actor in Beast Human Resources Brother and Sod and he's a very um it seems like he's a very active European actor yeah like a lot of French films I think I would agree with that, yeah, because he has a pretty impressive IMBD, but I didn't recognize hardly anything on it, to be yes, honest. Yes, I didn't either. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like, 
huh but he he has directed some stuff so i was like that's cool yeah who's the last person you wrote down we'll see if it's the same person so i god bless this man i'm gonna butcher his name but tom thomas crushman crushman as detective fresh crushman as detective fresh and he's a german actor who was in the a taxi driver movie with song kang ho Oh, yeah. Okay. And he also played like, roles in 2005 King Kong, Resident Evil Apocalypse, Blade 2, Wanted, and The Young Victoria. So he's had some crossovers yeah. as well. So I love The Young Victoria. That's a good movie. It is a really good movie. It's really good. He's also, I was like, oh, he has a German accent. Is he a German actor? I was like, what is his latest movie, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? I was like, Oh, he's playing a, a a Nazi. Of course he is. Oh, no. Probably. I don't know that for sure. I have a Nazi. But more than likely. Yet, but probably. I was like, but he's so old. How can he be still fighting Nazis? Is it the 40s now? Because the last movie was the 50s. So Ooh. I'm confused with the timeline. I don't know. It's very confusing. I know Harrison um, Ford is 81. <laughs> so that means he was, what, 79 when he was filming this movie? Probably. He did say in an interview, and I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about Indiana Jones. I haven't seen the last movie. I obviously haven't seen this one. But he's like, I feel better leaving Indy at this place than I did at the end of the last film. Is what he said. Well, yeah, because Crystal Skull is a fucking trash bucket. I heard that. It's trash. I, I never even watched it. Cause I did, I I've watched enough of it. I've watched enough of it to know it's absolute. It's trash. Anyways, which, by the way, Tadami Piperville... Didn't realize white supremacists were racist until this week. So, there's that. He oh, said, God. they're a oh, white nationalist. I'm sorry, white nationalist. He's like, they're just white people who have national pride. And the, the lady oh, is like, no, no. no. And, uh, he's the dumbest man. Did he graduate college or even high school or even middle oh. school? The man is a dumbass. In my opinion. Okay, sorry. That was a thing. I guess it's time for us to do the rundown. I'm sorry. I'll, sh- I'll shut up about Paul. No, you're good. You're just good. while we were talking about white supremacy, I thought I'd just throw in that he's an idiot. Oh. You're like, oh. But yes, I, was like, I guess. Of course. I guess we will get into the rundown. So once again, we are doing Infinity Pool is written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg. It is streaming on Hulu, so please watch it on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Come back, listen to the rest of this. Um, so the rundown. Fell novelist James Foster and his wife, M decide to have a getaway vacation at an isolated, all-inclusive resort. When James meets Gabby and her husband, Albon, who are fans of his work, the two couples begin a friendship that takes them outside the resort grounds, despite it being strictly forbidden. When a tragic accident occurs, James will be thrown into a world of violence, hedonism, and a scenario beyond anything he thought possible. Let's just say, if you're rich, you're lucky. But even the rich can run out of luck sometimes. Ooh, I like that rundown, Britt. Thank you. I Thank like y'all. it. Thank you. Thank y'all. That's a good so. rundown. <laughs> We're officially in spoilers, people. And if you yes. if that didn't like wet your appetite for this movie, I don't know what else would. Yes, sorry, yes. sorry. It's girl, like a, I know some people hate mouse sounds. I'm sorry. 
It's like, it depends. It's like, sometimes it's like, people hate it. Sometimes it's ASMR. I would just say, it, it's like, if it's, That's if it's why, at night, I'm okay. Yeah. Every ASMR artist, if there's like mouth sounds, they put it in their title. Because I thought it was because people like, just like that. But they were like, no, some people, it's a, like a misophonia. Where they just, like, they do not like mouth, like, smacking noises or anything. And so, like, that's why they put it on there. I was like, interesting, interesting. In um, the morning, it would get me. I will be honest. In the morning, I would be like, please stop. Because my brother would uh, eat across the breakfast table and smack, and it killed me. I'm a gum smacker, but I try to control it. Because people have been like, Katie, is that you? And I was like, what? I also have, like, TMJ. So, like... Just saying. I have a lot of pain in my jaw, and sometimes it's hard for me to gently smack anything. That's but, Brandon, um, too. <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, it's my anxiety. Um, but uh, speaking of anxiety, um, so I guess, like, it's probably going to be too long to get totally into plot points. But did you think this, where the movie ends made sense from where it began like do you think it like because i know before we start recording you had like an interesting opinion about it about like so, it had potential at the beginning so i do like the closing shot and i i will say so if we're actually talking about the closing last minutes of the movie i do like it because there's a lot to be asked about that point so spoilers officially spoilers so at the end of the movie it's like james is definitely changed from his experiences and i think like the sad thing is it's like okay so this is just normal for everyone else they do this like every year they do all these like malicious acts yes. of violence and they go home and it's normal so at the end of the movie it's like do you think that's james sitting in the middle of the typhoon or do you think that's one mm. of the many doubles that the groups had because right? they were obviously making doubles of James. They had the money to fund it. So it's like, is that our James? Or is that just a double that was left behind? Did he actually get on the plane and they just left one? Or did he stay home? Yeah. And I don't know because it's like, because like, it, 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 it clicks off. The editing ends right there. Did he send a double on the plane? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, because or the thing just... is, so, spoilers, if you didn't watch the movie and you're still listening, basically, cloning is real in this country. They're in the country of Litolka, and it's a, it's a fictional Mediterranean country where uh, the disparaging difference between the wealthy and the poor is enormous, and yeah. they have these big resorts, like we said, and how they deal with crime is basically everything's punishable by death but if you're rich enough you can make a clone of yourself and you have to watch your clone get murdered uh as punishment and your clone will take that murder and will get murdered and take that punishment and then you walk away scot-free and that's kind of what happens which i do think it happens too soon in the movie I feel like they should have waited a little while longer to make it start. Yeah. But it's I think still it's, the setup was interesting. I think it's very interesting, too, in that it's, like, very, like, it's stated, like, your clone will have all your memories. So they will think yes. there's you. And so, like, and that's, like, so. the kind of heart-wrenching thing that Katie was talking about with M. So when 
So basically, Gabby has them leave the resort because she's like, oh, it'll be fun. Just trust me. And they go on like a picnic together. And while uh-huh. while James is peeing, she comes up behind him and gives him a hand job, which kind of just froze the guy just fucking off completely. Yeah, which also like is definitely rape. I mean, it is rape. It's you didn't ask assault. permission. It's sexual yeah. assault. Um, and I will say it was weird because, like, so apparently we were supposed to see the penis, but we didn't get to see it because NC-17 would have been because no one can see an erect penis. Um, but they do, weirdly, they do show, like, ejaculate on the ground. It's very artistic, honestly. It's just like, he's like, uh, uh, and then, like, you just, like, drip, drip. Not, yeah, um, not a lot, but maybe that's because he's stressed out because someone's sexually assaulting him. But it's a very weird scene because it completely comes out of left field. Like they've and, been kind of flirty with each other, but like both of their spouses are literally on the beach, ten feet away from them. It's yeah, weird. But it kind of like you can tell like James is really messed up from the incident. Whether he feels guilty about the incident or he just doesn't know how to like process it. But basically, album yeah. is like completely fucking toasted. The girls are toasted. They're like going to sleep in the back seat. So James offers to drive, and he's having issues seeing. He hits a farmer, and so Gabby yeah, is like, the lights you know, go out in the car. Yeah, the lights keep going out in the car, and Gabby is like, this is a bad country. They'll rape him. That, you know, they're just going to throw you in jail and brutalize you. We're not going to say anything about this. And when he She's gets, a Karen. He, yeah. And when he gets back to the resort, he he vomits. He obviously feels very guilty initially about this this manslaughter that he commits. Yeah. Um, he and Emma are like, no, we need to call the police. And they're like, no, yeah. you can't. Gabby's very controlling. Yeah, and that's, like, that's, like, the first thing that, like, really kind of put me off about her character, which I get is intentional. That's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be put off by her character. Um, but next day, they're arrested. Uh, everything that Katie says, he's given this ultimatum. It's like, so, you know, in our country, when someone gets murdered, their oldest son is allowed to kill you. And he's like, he has a son who's 13, so, you know, his son can kill you. And James thinks it's a joke at first. And it very obviously it's yeah. not a joke. So they're like... They're like, well, if you can pay for it, we're going to clone you. So he allows himself to be cloned. He watches his clone as his clone dies. And his clone literally, like, calls out for M, which is, like, the most heartbreaking thing. Uh, So M is obviously shaken. She's like, I need to get the fuck out of here. But there's this very telling little thing at the end of the execution where James smiles. So you're just like, oh, shit. Yeah, he's, he's like, enthralled by it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is fascinating but yeah so basically what happens is gabby introduces him to her and her husband's friends and apparently it's all these rich westerners and they all um come to lee tolka every year and vacation and go on a crime spree and then just laugh at their clones getting murdered and it's just like a big gladiatorial spectacle for them and it's real fucking messed up. But Gabby basically, like, it's that thing of, like, when you think the cool kids have accepted you. Because the thing with James is there is a lot of, like, class warfare kind of stuff in this movie. Because, like, James married into being rich. He, in Gabby and Albin's eyes, doesn't really belong with them. She says that M controls him. 
and that she thinks he's weak and she's going to teach him how to be strong. And it reminds me a lot of those like alpha male, like I'm going to teach you how to be a real man. Men have to be strong and kill things. And it's like, no, that's not true. But uh, it's very much that kind of binary alpha male, female, everyone has their job kind of stuff uh, mentality. And it's just like really gross. And, I mean, not that it's not quite as binary as them, but uh, it is really shitty. So, basically, they get him to start going on crime sprees with them. And it's it's increasingly d- disturbing and violent. And he's enjoying it because, like, I think he's feeling like he belongs in this world. And M has enough of it and leaves. And he's like, oh, I can't find my passport. Yeah. Which... I was at first. I thought Gabby stole his passport, honestly, yeah. and then it turns out at the end of the movie he's been hiding it in the bathroom the whole time because he wanted to stay, and on M's dime. I think by it's the way. like very telling that like he so there's I, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is like basically so they essentially you find out that uh, Gabby and Albon were were executed over, there was an infinity pool that was built, which is where the movie's yes. title comes from. And I know, I was like, that was a weird title for yeah. that. I'm like, I get it. I think it's the infinity is how many times can you clone yourself? Mm-hmm. Is it an infinite amount? I was like, okay, okay, I got And you go into a pool to get cloned, so. Yeah, I think it's, it's like a, a double, double meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was uh, like, this is a bit on the nose. But they basically kill the guy that caused them to be executed and so the next thing you see like the group of them and they're wearing like these little like white kind of like dresses and they're waiting they're like what's taking so long yeah like hospital gowns yeah the hospital gowns and then so they're like yeah we gotta teach you and see for me i was caught up in it that you know they're like we're gonna teach you this time that you can't keep being away with things and they slit they slit james's throat and then the camera pans to him watching himself so they did this fake out yeah they did this fake out they're clapping good fake out i really like fake out yeah it was really good because i was like oh no and then i was like oh okay yeah but it was because, like, they're just, like, having a chit-chat. Because, again, the clones don't know. And one of the people asks him at one point, because he's, like, trying to – he's a professor. He's trying to write a book about this. And he's just like, do you think they killed the wrong James? Or do you think you're the original James? And he's like, I don't I don't know. And, like, that's, that's the other thing is, like, who really got killed? Because when you get cloned, like, you go to sleep because, you know, you're unconscious for part of it. So you don't really know. Um, you don't have that memory to hold on to. So, and, and make, they have your memories, too. And it would make almost sense in a fucked up way that if you were the original person that did the murdering, that it would be the original yeah. version of you that would be killed. So there is, like, that interesting thing at play. But I think it's very, very telling that... So, they... Basically, they they have integrated James into their little group. And so, they're, they're like, mm-hmm. abusing the hotel staff... They're being big yeah. assholes, and they kidnap the couple. Oh, they act like middle schoolers. At one point, the point that I just absolutely hated them was when James is just, like, getting maraschino cherries and spitting them at another guest who's just trying to eat their breakfast, and I'm just like, fucking middle schooler behavior. Like, nothing yeah. more egregious, except for maybe exactly. murder. Exactly. And so they kidnap the officer, Officer Fresh, that, like, or Detective Fresh, 
And James mm-hmm. has just beaten the fuck out of him. And then there's a sack also, over his head. Also, he's high. Yeah. He's high, and they've already... So, M leaves, and Gabby immediately gets him high on this native root, which I thought was so disrespectful, because she's like, so drug use is super illegal, but this is religious, so we can use this. And I was like, so cultural appropriation is a theme, because there's also, like, this theme of, like, this Mediterranean country has, like, Indian Bollywood dancer and then they have like a Chinese restaurant and like yeah. it I, and and everyone is dressed like a culture that isn't theirs and I'm like it was an interesting little it wasn't hitting you over the head with it but it was like people not respecting other people's cultures because these rich people don't respect them and they're using a religious it's like if I were to just use peyote just for fun it's not like it's illegal or bad but it's obviously like there's some respect that you should probably show when something is like a religious ceremony just to be polite and they're not. And so there's this weird orgy scene right before this one where like there's like titty juice coming out of there's like a nipple and there's everybody's naked and in these very scary uh cultural masks from the country called Eki masks which Eki has like two root words but one of them was like none or nothing so I was like oh it's like anonymity because it's a mask that's why they called it Eki I think yeah yeah but and that yeah. makes but sense so the next day they do the kidnapping thing and it makes sense too with the mask because essentially and Brandon Cronenberg even said this that there's an idea in many cultures you put on the mask and you're a different person so it's like also or kind like of giving... mask work in college. We used yeah. to do that for acting, and it was like it was very freeing as an actor. But I gotta tell you, I walked in. I got, I came into rehearsal early one day, and this girl, this girl before me, was like dancing this dance in a creepy little white mask, and it was the scariest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And <laughs> so I do like the masks. The designs are cool. But yeah, they so are. you were saying, so they get him high again and they're like, you got to beat up Detective Thresh because he's the one that's keeping you from your passport. Yeah. Which almost like makes it even is worse than when you feel, realize that James hid his own passport because then you realize like he's not behind it at all, but he's just rolling to go through the right. motions and beat the fuck out of someone. But they take off the yeah, sack. Because he wants to belong. Yeah. And he takes off the sack, and he realizes it's him. And that's the catalyst of, oh, shit, he has, like, this epitome, and he's, like, clarity, and, oh, shit, I need to get out of here. So he takes his passport and tries to run. And, of course, they run him down. Yeah. Oh, and there's this creepy moment before, like, the night before where they're all in mass singing to him. It's very creepy. I don't like it. But yeah, he has an epiphany and he comes. And I love that he leaves the resort with his hat down. He looks just like the guy who meets Nedry in Jurassic Park at that restaurant to the guy from Injun. And he's like, oh, oh, Dodson. We've got Dodson. He looks just like him. He's like, uh, it was like the same outfit. I don't know if anyone else is a Jurassic Park fan caught that, but I was just like, that looks like that guy from Jurassic Park. This is when we get peak Mia Goth crazy because she's whipping a gun around. They're forcing them to get off the bus. She she shot at the bus and she's like, Jamesy. And she just is like, I think you're pathetic. I never read your stupid book. I'm not a fan of yours. We just want to make fun of you because it's fun. But I'm going to make you a real man. And he eventually, when she starts insulting his book, she's reading like a really bad review of his book to him. And he tries to wrestle a gun away from her, but his 
not successful and he runs and she shoots him in the leg and he comes across these native farmers and all you've heard from these people are that the people out in this country they're uneducated they're poor they're they're just you know plebeians like they're not good at all but actually they're really nice and they help him and they take care of him they take him in and it's like okay so the two two groups of people that actually understand morality and goodness are m finally does and she gets the fuck out of there and the native people because it's just a fucking stereotype they're just like oh well they're poor so they must be bad i'm like that's not that's not how that works that is not how that works at all and that's the whole thing our country has problems with it too like just the disparity between it's like the wealthy people like with their because like it's very obvious in this movie with the the big the tall walls and the isolation it's like if i don't see it it's not happening yeah because I'm just going to ignore the problem and it'll go away. But no, that just makes it worse. So, social programs. Let's work on them, please. Anyways. But it is... Gets fucking weirder. Which, at the premiere, Alexander Skarsgård was on a, on all fours on a dog leash being held by Mia Goth. And I was like, the fuck is this? What is happening? But you understand, because the next scene, they find him after he trips balls once again um, and has, like, a vision of, like, his wife choking him to death and everyone standing naked in the ecky masks. Um, And they're like, you have to kill the dog, James. And the dog is another one of his clones. And basically, like, he's not going to kill himself and then it tries to kill him, so he does and then he suckles Mia Goth's titty and I was I, I like I know they I'm sure they had a prosthetic boob yeah they did God, I hope so and so that was my thing it's like so automatically what I think about spoilers alert for a book that was written like what 70 years eight years ago now but I always think of the ending of the grapes of wrath for Rose of Sharon like breastfeeds the starving man and so I'm like oh so and my initial thought is like a perversion of yeah oh I, I love the grapes forgot about that part yeah oh my god like that's the part that, that when part. we were talking about <laughs> when we were talking about english like uh two one that yeah, was english 102 when we were talking about english 102 there were so many people that were like sickening by it and i was just like it makes sense to me she had nothing to give him other than that and like that's like the most she could give him so like for me initially i thought this was like a perversion of that and then i realized yeah. the more obvious thing is happening is that it's james's rebirth and because he's reborn, when a baby's born, they need comfort. So, yeah. essentially, she's offering him comfort. And titty juice. I'm yeah, sorry. but that that's also, gross. but it's still like that kind of, it feels like a weird perversion. And it kind of like, yes. it makes me feel a little weird because this and Barbarian had breastfeeding scenes that were very perverted. And like a perversion of something very natural. I'm sorry, I've said perversion yeah. like 12 times, but that's the only word I can think of. Well, also like... I mean, I'm not saying a man can't be on a tit. Certainly not. But in front of a bunch of other people, the way it's done is just weird. Well, it's not. It's just not weird. It's, it's not, not very sexual. Yeah, it's not sexual. Like if it was sexual, that would be one thing. If he was like licking her and they were in the froze of it or whatever. But it's not. It's like yeah. he's literally sobbing and she offers it to comfort him. It's very weird. It's very. I, again, I don't want to shame anybody who maybe would find comfort in that, but 
I don't know. There's something just pervert. It, it yeah. is. It's a perversion of something. And yeah. it's not comforting. It really, like, I, it, I was just like, is this happening? And I get ah, I There's get, a lot of nipple stuff in this movie. I get in the context of the story. Sweet it's nipples. like, okay, this is James' rebirth. The old James is officially gone. Like, I get that. But it also felt more like shock value. And I'm just not a big fan of shock value, yeah. to be honest. Like, there's it a was, time and place for it. It was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot with, like, the dog, the quote-unquote dog, and then this. And then there was, like, there was, like, a, like a nipple that was, like, emitting, like, gooey bubbles in the yeah. in the tripping sequence. And I was just like, ooh, ooey, gooey bubbles out of my out of nipples. Just bleh. Yeah. Just a lot. It was a lot. But I will say, at least it was interesting and not boring. So that was good. But yeah, so James, like, it is weird, though, because, you know, all these people just, like, then on their way to the airport are, like, acting like nothing bad happened. And they're just like, oh, what are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And then, like we said, like, at the end, like, James is sitting back at the uh, hotel, but he also was at the... Um, the airport, and the whole time they keep saying, well, the rainy season's coming, the monsoons are coming, so we close up for the rainy season. So, yeah, I'm not sure if the real James went home or stayed. So. Yeah. But I'm sure there's a couple Jameses running around. Yeah, and I think, so, I'm really glad this movie didn't go in the direction I thought it would, because I thought, what, what I really thought would happen, it kept making a big deal that James married into money, M leaves. I thought eventually she just cut him off. And then he would do something and it's like, oh, guess what? You don't have the fucking money to, like, pay for a double. Yeah. But then at some point it becomes obvious that the elite group is, like, funding him because M probably has realistically cut him off. So I was like, well, okay, it didn't go in the direction I thought it would did. But I feel like a lot of films, and once again, so this is a satire. It's obviously a satire on social classes. Yeah. It Yes. Like most satires, there's a very, very strong first act and second act. It's the third act that I think is a little off the rails. Yeah, it's a little just like, okay, so he doesn't really know what to do with himself. So maybe he stayed, maybe he went. Mm, and then it just kind of cuts off. Yeah. And it's like, is, I guess it's fine. Kind of like, I will say like the clockwork orange, doesn't it also like kind of end that way where he's just so there's a it's big, been a really long time since i watched there's it. a big controversy with clockwork orange in that so when they made the movie version of clockwork orange it was like okay alex it ends with like alex is like yes i was cured all right and he he's having like a vi- violent sexual fantasy which means like he was like he can recommit violence because that was a big thing is that they undergo the experiment so they would be sickened by the father violence but yeah in the novel Basically, there was one additional chapter where Alex is, like, a couple years older. And he's like, you know what? I'm tired of the violence. I just want to have a family and have a child. And when Kubrick did the movie, he was like, no, we don't need that. We don't need that. We can we can handle the nihilism. Uh, so, like, they completely cut the last chapter from the movie edition, essentially. Well, you know, in The Shining, Jack sacrifices himself to save his family. And that didn't happen in the movie either. It's Kubrick. Like, it kind of like Stephen King said. He's like, you know, in my novel, the Overlook burns, and in in Kubrick's film, the Overlook freezes, and I think that's our personality. So I think there's like a yeah. I, not yeah. saying Kubrick. I don't know him. Obviously, he's passed away. I don't know the man. Never met the man. But I wonder if there is something to be said about how he viewed 
the world. Oh, and, very yeah. nihilistic. Yeah. I mean, Doctor Strangelove? Mm-hmm. Very nihilistic. And this movie's kind of nihilistic, too, because, like, he he gives in and he becomes that person, but maybe he doesn't because he leaves a part of himself or all of himself back at the resort. He can't bring himself to go back to his old life. So maybe he's different than them. But I don't think he really ever belonged with those awful people. And that's one of the reasons why he either doesn't go at all or he lets his clone go in his stead. I'm not really sure. But, um, yeah, it is interesting. And I'm curious what everyone else thinks about this movie. Because I will say I love the visuals. I love the culture that Cronenberg crafted. It's very, I would say, almost as good as, like, the world of like Blade Runner where it's like it's a very realistic country like it looks real like it I'm like that could exist because there are people that go to like third world countries and they go to these resorts and they just live it up and then they they have no idea what's going on beyond the resort and it's like it's a really shitty thing in society that we ignore people and I mean I'm not perfect you know but if you just ignore those issues then it's not going to get fixed and yes you should tax the rich you should tax the rich more than you tax the poor because you know what they have more money and the disparity of wealth is shitty and i'm not saying you know steal all their money but like yeah i think you should be taxed a a huge like 50 percent if you are that rich i just i there should be a cap to it at this point it's just, it's disgusting. Anyways, and this is what this movie is trying to say, and it's not an original point, because we all know that that's the truth. Yeah. and But I do think that the country is believable on a positive, and, you know, I like the design of it, and it is saying something that needs to be said, but I wouldn't say it's an original theme, because we've kind of seen this movie before. That's what, when we finished the movie, Scott was like, I liked how it looked, but I've, I kind of have seen a lot of the rich people are shitty, and I believe that. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, but I liked how it looked, and I liked the acting. So I don't know. Maybe I liked it more. What about you? Sorry, I went on a tangent there. Sorry. Whew. Oh, I can't hear you. Sorry, puppies were barking, and I forgot. I muted my mic. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Maybe I was like, you're being really quiet. <laughs> yeah. It, I was just like, I don't, want, I don't want to have Sorry. to edit that out later. Um. So, no, you're fine. Uh, this is an interesting movie because it's another, I have this issue with some movies where it's like, I get tired watching them and this is one of those movies. So it was like, I really liked the first half. I really liked the middle half. And then starting the third half, probably when we got into the drug induced orgy, I was like, my eyes are getting heavy. I don't know if it's like the psychedelic <laughs> stuff that like just makes me tired or what. So maybe. Yeah, and so it was like that third act was like a bit of a struggle for me. And Taylor said this. He was like, you know what? He's like, I really thought it was interesting. And he's like, and I really thought I was going to like it. And he's like, but by the end of it, I just thought it was okay. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. that kind of sums it up. Like, you you think you're going to like it, and then it ends up being okay. But I have had friends. I know, I think our friend Dalton really liked this movie. So um, I loved it. Yeah. I, I really, and I mean... I'm not saying I'm not like a parasite or a Teton yeah. loving, but I would say it's probably, it's up there of new releases. And again, I saw it in theaters, which didn't give me 
the comfort of falling asleep on my own couch the first time. No, I so think maybe well, that's why I paid better attention to it because I do get sleepy sometimes when movies go past a certain point. But no, I'm wondering if asleep. the reason I didn't get that you didn't. Good. I did not fall asleep. No, no, no. If I if I honestly think I'm gonna fall asleep Ooh. during the movie, I will turn it off and finish it the next day. I never fall asleep during movies. I guess it didn't. I'm guessing. I'm guessing that it didn't lull me because it was really i couldn't look away i couldn't fast forward i couldn't do anything but watch it because i was in yeah. the theater so maybe that's the trick because i think dalton also saw it in theaters i want to say they had yeah. seen it either right before i saw it or right after yeah i think um, this was on their list for a while so they were like oh, yeah. yeah i'm buying these tickets as soon as they come out yeah but i i really like it i will say like i could not recommend this movie to everyone yeah i would agree with that it's I mean, it's definitely weird. It's a weird one. There's a lot of violence and nudity, and there's a lot of nipple stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and there's a lot of just asshole people. So, but if you like weird shit, definitely watch this movie. If you thought Barbarian was tame, watch this one. I think Barbarian is a little more violent than this one it's a little weirder but yeah they're both pretty weird yeah. they're both pretty weird i would say barbarian is more mainstream obviously it did well in theaters compared yeah. to this one was this actually one's very yeah it's a bit of a flop which is kind of sad i couldn't find the budget for the movie i could only find the box office which was only five million which i was surprised at because like i don't know maybe maybe again i like weird shit and we all know this by now. So maybe that's what I was seeing. was just like, oh, it's a weird shit. Yay. Um, but I feel like maybe the advertising could have been a little better for it. Maybe that would have helped. But I think it's good. I think check it out on streaming for sure. Because it looks pretty. The performances are great. But the originality is meh. And the ending is very mixed. Yeah. But it has an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, and then it has a 51% from audience. So it is not for everybody, but there, it is a well-made movie. For yeah. Sure, I would think. So, I would say normally What did you I, rate it? I gave it a 6 out of 10. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Let's... that's my thing. I, I wouldn't say, like, this movie is a 4. I Like, the act, like we always talk about, the acting can elevate <laughs> something for sure. Like, you know, and obviously it has Mia Goff in it, Alexander Skarsgård. They're great actors. Uh, they definitely elevate the material. You're right. It's visually interesting. I didn't hate the story. I just didn't love the movie. So That's I'm fair. glad I watched it. I'm glad I watched it. It is it is interesting. I think there's a lot to kind of be dissect and to say about the film. Uh, I do love the, like, open ending. I love movies like that. I just... I don't know. It just didn't, like, it really, it didn't emotionally impact me in any way to make me, like, elevate my rating mm. or my feelings about it, so. That's fair. I had, so, I, I did, like, three separate ratings, and then I averaged them. <laughs> so, I had ten for visuals, ten for performances, but I had six for originality. But then I docked at a point, because the average was about an eight, but I docked at a point because I was like, I can't recommend this to everyone, so I gave it a seven. Okay. Because I was like, 
I was like, I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it more the second time than I did the first time. It and it does move pretty well. It's not like boring to watch. It moves pretty quickly. So I do kind of wish they had done either more with the clones or waited to start cloning them because I feel like that would have kind of kept the pace a little better. But I think it it's only it's less than two hours, so not terribly long. Yeah. Um. But again, I can't recommend it to everybody, so I could not give it a 10 out of 10 because I'm like, fun. I wouldn't call it the most original, but I want to see more of Brandon Cronenberg stuff because I really like his style. I think Possessor, and again, I haven't gotten to finish Possessor, but I do think Possessor maybe was a little stronger, but it also got released, I think, in 2020, Mm -hmm. I want to say, when everything was closed down, so it also didn't get a really big release either, so... I don't know. Maybe he just hasn't gotten box office time yet. Maybe he'll get to do like a Marvel movie and then everyone will go see his movies. You know, you, you pull a Taika Waititi, you, you do a Marvel movie and then people start giving you money to do what we do in the shadows, the TV series. And then you're like, oh, and now everyone likes Taika Waititi. Then you get to do Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. And then you're like, ha And then you do another Marvel movie to pay for your next good one. And then you do Our Flag Means Death. Yeah. So... Oh, and then you're going to do uh, Clara and the Sun, which is a uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist who wrote Remains of the Day and uh, Never Let Me Go. He just did the uh, Living screenplay. He was nominated for Living screenplay. He was the Japanese Pulitzer oh, Prize-winning yeah, yeah. Kas- Kasuhiro? But yeah, all this to say, Taka Wahidi is doing Clara and the Sun, which is a novel by him. So, yes, I'm very curious. We're we're big Taika Waititi fans here. Yeah, he can do almost no wrong in my book. There's, I just yeah, he's fantastic. Anyways, uh, did you have a Grindos Girls rating for this, Britt? I I did. So I rated it D for dogs, drunken drives, and dirty deeds. That's really funny. Yeah. You should call it, say, double dogs. Double dogs. Double dogs. Double dogs. People are going to be waiting for the dog in this movie. If they have no idea, they're going to be like, oh, it's ready to for dogs. There must be puppies in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) I did not say this. What? You did not say this? I was about to say, I cannot take credit for this. I was not the person that that said this, but someone wrote, they're like, I don't know how to log this on thusthedoggydie.com. I was like, that's pretty (sighs) fucking smart. it does, yeah. actually. But what were, was your um, reading? I had rated C for cigars, crimes, and clones. Oh. And then I had rated W for uh, wealthy sinners and white sand bringing death. Because that's like the first line of the movie. Oh. Interesting. But... I don't know which one. I like the. I like yours too. You like mine. I like. I don't like. I do mine. think we should say double dogs. Okay, we can do double dogs. Dirty deeds done. Dirty. Dirty. <laughs> dirty oh deeds and they're done. Dirt cheap. Sorry. <laughs> but I mean, I so this movie. I would recommend it to. Some people, not everyone, there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of nudity, a lot of naked people, orgies, all kinds of kooky stuff, drug use, so, and there's a lot of violence, so it's kind of triggering sexual assault. So, just uh, tread cautiously, I would say. Yeah. 
But it's definitely different and not boring. There you go. Different and not boring. So, different and not boring. That should be the rating. Yeah. Rating D for different different and and not not boring. boring. Yes. Okay. uh, With that, very quickly, because we are very quickly running out of time. um, Next next episode. So we'll sidetrack next week. But the episode after that, our next full um, review is is in honor of if you guys play Dead by Daylight, you know that. A very special person is coming to Dead by Daylight at um, on July 25th, I believe. It's either 15th or 25th. And um, that special person is the one, the only, Nicolas Cage. And there's a Nicolas Cage movie. We did Pig, obviously. But there's a movie that was kind of his return to uh, greatness. Before Pig. I think Pig definitely, acting-wise, best performance I've seen of him. But this one was the first time I'd seen him in a really long time really act. And um, But he's also peak Nick Cage yelling. So, I thought, what would be better? Because it's kind of summery because they're, like, in the forest. Um, we're going to be watching Mandy. Ooh. Which uh, also has Andrea Risenborough as Mandy um, in it. And um, it's streaming on Shudder. And I believe Britt said she also saw it on Tubi. So there's multiple ways to watch it. And it is a... It's kind of an 80s thematically movie. And it's, it's very visually stunning. And it's a revenge horror film. So... I, I wouldn't say it's better than Old Boy, but it's close to it. It's very interesting. Parts of it are very trippy and parts of it are very action-packed. So it's, it's what, it is a bit of a slow burn, though, I will say. There's a very distinct parts to this movie. Um, but I love it. I've seen it twice, and I liked I enjoyed both versions of it. So I'm kind of curious. I kind of thought Pig was going to be Mandy 2.0. And when it turned into, like, an emotional drama, I was very surprised. But I enjoyed it. So. <laughs> but Mandy, um, I don't think, Britt, you've seen it yet, right? Mm, I have not. Okay. And I don't want to ruin it for anyone, so I'm trying. But I, it's, it's, it's an interesting movie. Some of it is very purposefully funny. And some of it is Nick Cage being Nick Cage, what he does best. I'm excited. Are you excited, Britt? Yeah, I'm excited about the movie. So I'm like, okay. And then I know you'll be talking about playing uh, as Nick Cage in the game. So that's pretty cool, That'll too. Be fun. Anyways, that's what we'll be watching. Check it out on Shutter. And if you missed Infinity Pool, it's on Hulu, right? Yeah, it's on Hulu. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's a trip. This movie's also going to be trippy. But I feel like a good trippy. So... <laughs> So I guess uh, take care of each other, be good to one another, stay hydrated. I know Bird always says that, but just because it's summer, put on your sun. I should say put on your sunscreen, because I'm a bit of a kook, a, a bit of a. I'm very obsessed with wearing sunscreen. We'll just say that I I never leave the house without it. So uh, wear some sunscreen and take care of your puppies and kitties. And I don't know what do I usually wash your hands, take your vitamins. And be safe out there, kiddos.
Yeah. So, uh, just like Katie said, wear sunscreen. I am not always as good as I need to be. If I know I'm going to be outside in the sun all day, I definitely wear it. But, like, just daily wear, I don't as much as I should. So, I need to be better about that. Uh, drink water, spade, and neuter your pets because, oh my god, rescues and shelters are drowning. And I will say it every week uh, just to get it for people's heads. Um, yes. But take care of yourselves and we and each other. We love you very much. Uh, stay cool. Keep mm-hmm. inside if you can. I mean, if you want to be crazy Please. and go enjoy the sun, that's fine. But at least keep the fur kids inside because they can overheat very easily. Their poor paws Their get little burnt paws. on the sidewalk. And they just like... Their little paws. And I think I read somewhere that even in the shade, cars can reach up to like 110 degrees outside. So yeah, don't don't yeah, take the puppies P- unless you absolutely have to. PSA. Yeah, cars cook sunglasses in the car. Yeah, I when I used to work in optical, I my whole summer was filled with people bringing their lenses in, and they were ruined. And it's because they left them in their car, and basically their lenses got cooked. And because it wasn't a controlled environment, it would um, cool down unevenly. And so basically there were irrevocable harm made to them. So if it does that to a pair of glasses, think of what it's doing to a living, breathing animal. Yeah. Or a child. Also, oh, don't leave yeah. your kid in the car. Please don't leave the babies in the car. Don't leave the fur babies in no. the car. Don't leave the skin babies in the car. Just don't do it. Don't take them yeah. somewhere unless you absolutely have to. Like, just don't. Um, skin babies. Yeah, the skin babies. And I, I read this. This is kind of sad, but I would rather put this out uh-huh. there than not. They say, you know, if you have to put your cell phone in the back seat with your child, if you have to put your flip-flop in the back seat with your child, just remember, you know, do what you have to do. And I, I try, I'm I not a parent. I did have a friend from high school when her son was two weeks her and her husband got for the front door of Walmart before they realized that he was still in the car because they were so sleep deprived from having a newborn. So I know mm-hmm. shit happens. So if you are the type of person shit happens to, and you need to put that cell phone, that flip flop, whatever you have to remember that your sleeping yeah. child's in the back seat, please do it. Um, I feel like with animals, they're going to remind you more. They're going to try to get in the front seat with you or something. Sleeping babies do not. Just be careful, guys. It's basically yeah. way too hot to fuck around and find out. Just be careful yeah. with yourselves and with your loved ones. Um, yeah. We love you very much. Uh, once again, take care of yourselves and each other. We look forward to seeing you next time. Same spoopy time, same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, y'all. Bye. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.